0: that's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DDW reporting prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lock Talk Radio.
0: The odds
2: of becoming a signed artist and having three number one albums? One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1. 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One
1: in 110. I'm Tony Braxton. And I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks in the Ad Council.
0: We're here discussing child development with some experts. Um, tell me the normal development of, say, a two-year-old.
2: My truck.
1: So a child that age should know two- to four-word
0: phrases. Good. And what about cognitive development? <laughs> Ah, engaging in pretend play. I see. And what of social... Look, Anna! Being enthusiastic about the company of other children. All right, thank you.
1: It's time to change how we view a child's growth. It's not just physical. There are milestones your child should reach in how he plays, learns, speaks, and acts. A delay in any of these areas could be a sign of a developmental problem even autism. The good news is, the earlier it's recognized, the more you can do to help your child reach his full potential. Talk with a doctor, visit cdc.gov slash act early, or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Learn the signs, act early.
2: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keyes. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for calling in and listening in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. I'm also on Instagram. Check me out. Lots of great pictures on there, and as I mentioned, always tag me in the photo. You might win a prize, books, iTunes downloads, Starbucks, gift cards, all types of things. So definitely follow, check me out on Facebook, tag me on Instagram. Um, I always want to thank you guys for following the show. Uh, again, we're past like 1.2, 1.3 million downloads. Amazing. Uh, I can't believe it. It's just ridiculous. But I'm glad that you guys are listening and hopefully learning some new things. Uh, well, this month is Autism Awareness Month, and I wanted to bring on some uh, activists uh, and educators who are dealing with autism in the African-American community. Uh, a lot of times, as with other um, Health issues, if you will, mental health issues, developmental issues. Uh, African Americans are lagging behind in being diagnosed, uh, getting treatment, uh, finding out where they can get help. So I'm just trying to, you know, make these people and their knowledge available to you, and maybe you can spread it past, spread it along uh, to your friends and family. Uh, so uh, hopefully this morning I'm going to have Angela Norris Hawkins. She's a co-founder of the African American autism center on and also uh camille proctor she is the founder of the color of autism foundation i'm going to check this line and see if this is one of them here good morning this is joy keys hey there good morning hi, camille proctor.
0: oh hi yeah. Camille. how are you i am well how are
2: you oh i'm great thank you so much for calling in i think this is like the third time you've
0: been on the show maybe it has been. You, you've been with us yeah. since almost our inception, so great great to be here. Well, thank you so much for coming
2: on and, you know, taking the time out. I know you're busy, you know, with your life and your, your son and your foundation, so uh, thank you so much for uh, calling in, and hopefully Angela uh, Norris will be calling in as well. Um, but let's just get started here. Um, let's talk about your organization a little bit, The Color of Autism. What, can you talk to the audience about what you do and what
0: you're about? Yes, absolutely. Um, The Color of Autism is a nonprofit that focuses on persons of color who are on the autism spectrum. One of the most important things that we advocate for is actually full-on family support, because we really embrace that concept of it takes a village. Because, you know, we want to get families completely involved getting into the early intervention phase, all the way through what it's going to take for their loved one with autism to flourish and be successful in this world. Because autism is just a very variable. When they say it's a spectrum, it really is a spectrum. So it runs the gamut of how someone can be. And we don't want to limit that person with autism to just be one thing because that's what it says they're supposed to be. We want them to be what, all that they can be. And we want their families, we want to limit that isolation that the families feel um, oftentimes when they have a person with autism or even as some of the other things you said with a mental illness or health um, emergency. We want to end that um, disparity and, you know, we want to have these families first.
2: Yeah, I think that um, when I found out about it, I don't even, I think I was just searching or looking for, you know, organizations. It was actually really difficult to find ones that were specifically, connected to the African-American community and autism. You know, there's a lot of these large ones, and um, I'm not saying that they don't help African-Americans, but, you know, if you look at their uh, advertisements and, you know, photos and images, unfortunately they're mostly white people. Nothing wrong with that. But as African-American,
1: right.
2: you know, it would be nice to have somebody that looks like me and um, is going through similar issues and can kind of guide me, you know, give me a roadmap. You know, of how to deal with these systems and these doctors and so on and so forth so that I don't trip, you know, and fall uh, in the development of my
0: child. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, not focusing, not putting a focus in these communities of color is a tragedy because, you know, we have a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm an African-American woman. So there's a lot of stuff that I went through with my son where they thought it was a discipline problem. You know, whippings are always recommended when someone's not paying attention. So we need to kind of back away from that and really understand what um, developmental delays are. You know, it's not boys are slow. It's there could be a problem there. It's not, oh, he'll catch up. It should be there may be a problem. So that's the things that we strive for. We go out into the community. We talk about early intervention. We talk about the signs of what autism what could be autism, because I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. we tell them what it could be so they can get their children to the doctor. We also let them know that it's okay for your child to have autism. It's not a, you know, it's not a death sentence. A death sentence. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not. I know that years ago when my son was first developed, I mean, I was pretty isolated and I was pretty depressed. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not, but now I'm more often, than, more often than you would think, say, boy, go sit down somewhere.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that
0: a lot now. <laughs> but, and that's because I've had him into therapy and I've had him in activities. You know, I've I've pushed for him to be the best that he can be, you know, and I don't compare him to anyone else's child. I compare him to him and I let him do, right. you know how they say, I'm going to do me. He does him. And I want to have all parents to that point. So that's why we do Um, parent trainings Um, we get into community groups we go into churches and we talk to parents and then we set them up with you know one-on-one parent training we get people over to good therapy groups um and then even right now i'm talking to you from it's funny the michigan science center where where we made the science center sensory friendly and it's right in the heart of the city of detroit so that these kids can come here and enjoy it. So we're doing sensory-friendly Saturdays here. So these are some of the things that we do. But one thing I want to double back on is that, like, uh, go ahead.
2: No, I just want to let the audience know a couple of statistics about autism. About 1 in 68 children have been identified with autism spectrum um, by the CDC um, in the United States. Uh, it, it, It crosses all ethnic, racial, socioeconomic groups, Um, It's 4.5 times more common among boys than among girls, but girls also can have autism. Um, You know, about one in six children in the United States have a developmental disability uh, between the years of 2006 and 2008. Um, And, as again, we mentioned this is a spectrum, so it can be very severe to very slight. Uh, One of the important things, though, to mention is that um, autism can be uh, diagnosed very early, um but the problem is um being uh having a doctor you know that is i guess educated themselves in you know what is autism um and what does it look like um uh, can you tell us some little uh background about um how early
0: you said your son was diagnosed what age was he um he was diagnosed at 2 but i began the process for him right around um 15 or 16 months because I saw some things Mm -hmm. that I didn't think were okay. And um, that was mainly because I had read up on what his developmental milestones were. And it's very important that parents know what developmental milestones are and where they should be at. And, again, they will catch up is not a good answer. So um, Mm -hmm. I actually took my um, son to a genetic doctor who then found out he had he was one chromosome over. So instead of 46, he had 47 chromosomes, which put him in, like, this gray area, not for fragile X. A lot of people have it, and they're not affected. And she said to me, I think he has autism. She just said mm. that, and she got me to a developmental pediatrician who then confirmed it at age two. And I was grateful to her because people thought I was – um crazy because my son Mm -hmm. made eye contact he really liked ladies he was friendly but he didn't talk and they just kept saying he'll he'll talk later he'll talk later well his talk later came at about four Mm. so it it didn't come you know at the expected couple of months later Um, And one of the things that you said, which I think is important, and I'm going to give you a little insight, is that I spoke at a pediatrician's convention in Washington a few years back, and they don't, regular pediatricians typically don't really know how to diagnose autism unless it's to a severity, because I may be explaining this wrong, but they don't spend a lot of time, a lot of time on autism unless they're going to be a developmental p. Unless okay.
2: it's going to be their their, their specialty, a right? So that's that's the issue because it can be. From from what I've read, it can be diagnosed as early as two years uh, of age, but most children aren't diagnosed until after four. Um, and then they also talk about Asperger's disorder, maybe not till six. Um, and so that's why it's so important to know and read about developmental. Um, milestones for your child and look at your child and see where they are. Now everybody's child is not going to be right exactly there at four. They're going to do this at five. They're going to do that. That's I don't want people or parents who are listening and think, Oh my God, my child's not doing that. Then they have autism. No, you know, you, you uh-uh. need to calm down. Everybody is different. And some people blossom at different times, but they should be close. You know, they should be close. And uh, that's another thing about um the young people having babies. Uh, young women having babies, but I'll say people because it takes two people to make a baby and two people should be there throughout, I hope, um, is that they're not aware of developmental milestones. And some people get mad at their children because they're not here. They're, you know, abusing them, if you will, to some degree, like trying to push them past the point um, where they should be or don't understand why are they doing this. And it's actually normal behavior for that age. So developmental... um, Milestones are important to know. I think this might be our other caller here, uh, Angela Nora hawkins Hold on a second. Uh, good morning. This is Joy hello. Keys. You're on the air.
1: Hello, Joy. I apologize. I had some technical difficulties on my end. I apologize for being oh, late. Oh,
2: that's okay. Okay, good morning. This is uh, Angela Norris-Hawkins. Um, she's the co-founder of the African American Autism Center. I'm glad you made it with us this morning. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Um, we were just talking about the knowledge of developmental um, growth and where, people, where babies and, and children should be um, and how important that is. And uh, um, Camille was discussing how some uh, pediatricians aren't aware of that because they don't really spend that much time in schooling on, you know, um, being these specialized areas so that you could go to a pediatrician and they totally miss that your child might have autism because it can be diagnosed as early as two, but that would probably be a specialist. Um, Angela, exactly. could you talk about that? Have you had any experience? Um, have people come to your center with, you know, the child not being diagnosed till five or, or a very late age?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've had that experience on my own. My son right now is 18, but he didn't get diagnosed until later. Um, but I noticed some symptoms when he was around 18 months, two and a half years old, and they misdiagnosed him at the time. Um, with an auditory processing disorder. Um, Mm. And so he did not get fully uh, diagnosed with the uh, autism um, diagnosis until he was six. And so, yes, that definitely does happen. Um, We have some families right now that have come in, and they know that there's an issue, but, again, their pediatrician is telling them, oh, you know, it may just be um, a slight learning uh, disability, or it might just be a a slight delay um, in their um, progression. You know, you might want to wait until he's talking, kind of, you know, those kinds of things are being told to our families. Um, and so they are not being diagnosed until when they get to school, of course. They can't interact with the teachers um, at the preschool level, Um, and so then that raises the questions. And so, yes, definitely that has happened. Yes.
2: Now, Camille, um, what are some risk factors in in terms of since you've had this um, foundation, um, what have you learned are risk factors for people having autistic uh, children?
0: Well, in regards to what it can do um, to a life of an individual to not be in therapy, to not have the things that they need to flourish, one of the biggest issues is that um, as an African-American mom, and I and I say this a lot, you know, whether you have a, a child on the spectrum or a typical black male, mm-hmm. he needs to know how to yield. Well, what happens to that person that doesn't understand what yielding means? Um, mm-hmm. Because he's going to go out in the world like, you know, I'm I'm at a totally different place where I was, you know, five years ago when we when you and I started talking. So my son's getting older, and he's going to go out into the world. And African-American boys are always seen as more menacing than their counterparts. I don't know why. Hmm. So what's going to happen when they get approached by the police and you've never readied them for the real world? Come well, uh, I, think,
2: I think you kind of switched my question around, but, but what you're answering is good, is, I'm sorry. Is good as well. Um, but that's okay. What, when they go out into the world, what are some risks they're going to deal with? But what I wanted to talk a little bit is risk factors for a mother having a child. And when, and, and some of those are maybe a, being an older parent, um, you can be at risk for having a child born with I, autism. I don't know. Uh, certain I, types know of
0: prescription drugs that, you can, that are linked a to higher risk of autism. What do you say? I think it's a roulette wheel. I think it's a roulette wheel. Because honestly, mm-hmm. Joy, okay. every other week they come out with something. They come out with you being old. They come out with you being... <laughs> I don't know
1: that's my taking, answer because they change, the right every kind of vitamins. they change it every day they change it every day like
0: yeah. there was one about um, folic acid people who didn't take folic acid well I took folic acid throughout my whole pregnancy my son still has autism so everything they say mm. it changes within a matter of days sometimes in the same right. day they'll change so mm-hmm. I, you know I can't bank on any of that information Okay, well, I just let me just tell the audience, this is from the
2: CDC, and just in general, again, we're talking general and on a spectrum, if you will, that um, talks about occurs in people more often that have certain genetic or chromosomal conditions such as fragile X syndrome or tuberculosis. Also, they're at higher risk if they have a sibling that has autism, they may also have autism. Again, this is not every person, but some people, and I guess in terms of research that's been done so far as of today, this is what they're saying. Um, Angela,
1: you were going to say something about the risk? I was going to say that, I mean, I believe that it's all, like um, Camille said, it's a, it's a rule at will, but I believe it's environmental um, because I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a lot of different factors that, that play into that, whether it's um, not, you know, women that are pregnant not getting screens or having the right type of um, health support um, it could be that you know the medication that we' are being given are being are affected our own bodies which again transfer transfers to our babies so I think it's a mm-hmm. lot of different things but primarily for me I believe it's environmental because there are to okay. me it's just certain pockets of the certain pockets of the, of um, the country where there's a more higher concentration. Why that is, I don't know, but that's mm. why I believe sometimes that is more environmental than anything. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, now, New Jersey is one of them.
2: New Jersey is a higher has a higher concentration of people. I think New Jersey, Jersey is, is number one.
1: Number mm. one, yes. Well, you know, <laughs> and, there's a lot of
2: factories know. around New Jersey. Yeah, I was going to say power plants a lot of and factories.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, now Camille, let me ask you. When you first found out your child was diagnosed, what then did you do to help him? Where did you go to get help or, or get assistance? Was there some kind of, uh, you know, exercises or food to eat? Or what did you first do when you found out that your child was diagnosed
0: with autism? Oh, my goodness. I tried everything. Uh, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you, I, anything, if I, anything that Google told me would may work, I tried it. Um, but ultimately I found that therapy was the thing that he needed most but my insurance didn't cover it because at the time I didn't have there wasn't anyone to care for someone with autism who didn't speak and couldn't express themselves so I had to stop working so I had to pay probably about two thousand dollars a month just on therapy Mm. for my son and now what kind of therapy what kind of therapy specifically applied behavioral analysis speech Occupational therapy for spine and gross motor skills, and um, it was pretty. It was pretty costly. I mean, I even took a um, course with Dr. Stanley Greenspan called Floor Time. I mean, I was doing whatever I thought I needed to do so that I could, in my mind at that time, change this autism because it just needed to be changed and fixed. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. how about
2: your experience? Angela, what about your experience um, when you first found out? What was the first thing you tried to do?
1: Uh, the first thing I tried to do was, was to find out were there some services available for children that look like mine, and I didn't find any, <laughs> none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it for me it was more of a cultural thing um, because I believe that how Caucasians approach an issue is different than how we would approach an issue. And so I really wanted to find and connect with families like me. And I didn't find anything. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I just kind of ventured out into the world as, as Camille did with, with whatever I could do, um, researching online, just trying different techniques and different um, behavioral uh,
2: processes
1: but, um, and things true, like that. Right. And, when mm-hmm. we, and we definitely did go through, through through lots of therapy, cognitive, behavioral, fine motor, all of that.
2: Now, can you, um, either of you, did you guys get um, an IVEA? Is that through your school?
1: Is that something you either of you did? Or... I was able to get one. This is Angela. I was able to do that um, with a lot of advocacy, and mm-hmm. I actually had to hire an attorney because they were saying that my child wasn't that bad. That um, mm. he didn't need that kind of service, um, mm-hmm. that he would be fine just being main, you know, in a mainstream classroom when I knew that wasn't true. So yes, we had to um, fight for him to have an it's a, a IEP um, when he was in first grade.
2: Yeah, the the IDEA is a um, is an act, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, and basically, I know a lot of public school systems. If you approach them to test your child either for uh, mental disabilities or um, gifted disabilities, if you will. Um, They have to act within a certain time period, and they also then have to follow through with giving you a plan of what kind of programs and services they can provide to that child. And this is at the cost of the district. You don't have to pay for this. The school district has to pay for this, and and it's your right to understand that you can can ask for that uh, evaluation. And what I heard a lot of times is just what you were saying, Angela, oh, it's not that bad. Don't worry about it because the school doesn't have the money.
1: They exactly, want to or they, or they, or they don't want to, um, w- as they say, waste time on, um, as they say, a lost cause. Which, to right, me, that was that was what I heard when my child was a five. <laughs> Camille, how about you? Did you have you heard
2: parents have that situation where they were kind of turned down, if you will, from their schools and had to
0: go uh, get a lawyer? It happens um, a lot, but it happens. More in urban areas. Um, Well, I take that back because I, most of my, well, most of my constituents are in urban areas and they, there is a terrible problem with that. I've not experienced it um, since I've moved back to my actual home state because I think when you and I started, I was in Atlanta and there was a lot of that in the Atlanta area. Um, Not so Mm -hmm. much where I'm at now, but one of the things I want to point out is that I'm in Michigan and the Detroit Public Schools notoriously um, denies IEPs gets rid of IEPs um, individualized education plans and anything that is for the benefit of that child they get rid of and ironically the person who was the director of specialized services for the district is now being indicted for taking money that was supposed to go towards those kids and buying a Maserati oh wow
2: wow so that is crazy. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. So now, is um, <laughs> so there medicine, um, Angela? Just Again, we're just asking questions. Are, is there medicine yeah. that children can take to help with autism?
1: Um, do you guys know of any medicines? I'm not well, aware of any. Um, Camille mm-hmm. may know, but my children don't take any. There are medications. Have never taken I don't any. personally
0: recommend because
1: Respir- right.
0: <laughs> Respiradol is one that causes uh, male breasts. Mm. So you have to pick one. You want them to have autism or I'm not even trying to be funny or breast. That's right. Right. That's right. Right. Which one do you want? I I would take autism. (laughs)
2: Uh, I want to mention to the audience, um, there's an early childhood technical assistance center, um, and this is through the CDC. The number is 919-962-2001 and uh, you can call there for, uh, to find out information um, that's related to your state and how to get help. There's also um, a website. I'll try to tweet about that, ECTA website, um, and um, you know, can try to get some help in your area. Now, um, uh, Angela, what, what's your uh, phone number? Uh, t- talk about your uh, uh, phone number, your website. How can people contact your organization if they uh, want to get help and, and where you're located?
0: Yes,
1: so we're in located in Denver, Colorado, and our website is www.africanamerautism.com And our phone number is 303-371-6022 or 303-335-5203.
2: And Camille, you do the same, please. Let the people know how they can reach you, where you're located, and, and so on and so forth.
0: Sure, we're located in Detroit, Michigan. Our website is www.thecolorofautism.org. Um, you can email us at info at thecolorofautism.org. And our telephone number is 313-440-9035.
2: Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on and talking about, you know, your trials and tribulations. Is there anything else you want to bring up to the audience that maybe we've missed, uh, that maybe parents need to look out for uh, in this road Uh, dealing with a child that has autism?
1: From my perspective, I would say if you can reach out to other parents, um, if you are aware of someone in your school or in your church or in your neighborhood, um, reach out to them and become support resources for each other.
0: Camille, you have any other suggestions? That's exactly what I was going to say. And I was also going to say, um, look at, Grassroots advocacy, because there's a lot of small grassroots advocacies um, like ours, um, and we're there to mm-hmm. help families, and we're a lot closer to the families than some of the big organizations. That's
1: yeah, that's yeah. very true. So, like I said, and Thank I think you. we
0: have more familiarity than celebrities, because we're living it, and we're living it in a different right, every way. Day. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm.
1: Without mm-hmm. money. Yeah, you're right there. <laughs> Without the money.
2: for <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I thank you guys for coming on and sharing your knowledge and um I appreciate the work that you're doing and helping African Americans again get through this um battlefield, if you will. Um but as Camille mentioned, you know, try not to compare your child to other, just you want them to be the best they can be from where they're where they're Absolutely. jumping off from, um and, and not uh feel bad that it's not a death sentence. Um, oh, my God, my child has autism, what am I going to do? You know, oh, my God, my child has autism? Okay, this is what I can do. You know, this is what I can do. This is what's possible, and this is what's available. And also, again, as I mentioned, you need to hold your schools accountable for the services that they are supposed to provide to you as a parent uh, and, and helping with your child, and even if your child doesn't have autism. There's lots of other services that school districts, you know, try to shy away from and, and giving children Um, that can help them excel in the world. So uh, don't be afraid as a parent to to stand up to the school district. Thank you, uh, Angela, and thank you, Camille, for coming on today.
0: Thank you. Thank you you for having me.
2: Thank you so much. You guys have a great day, okay? You as well. Thanks again. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, all right, bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Camille Proctor. She's the founder of the Color of Autism Foundation, and Angela Norris Hawkins. She's the co-founder of the African American Autism Center. Uh, I really encourage you to reach out to these two organizations if you're dealing with someone, uh, a child that has autism, or you know somebody who has a child with autism, and they can connect you with some services maybe in your area that are a little more cultural friendly, if you will. Um, thank you for tuning in. You'll follow me at JoyTees on Twitter. You can become a fan on Facebook uh, or look me up on Instagram. I hope you guys have a great weekend.
0: Hi, this is Terrence Howard. My mother was the cornerstone of our family. She shaped me as an actor, a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our whole family got cancer. She died when she was only 56, so this is personal. Now hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer, but you can prevent this disease. Screening finds precancerous polyps so that they can be removed before they turn into cancer. I've been screened. If you think that you're at an increased risk like I am, ask your doctor when to start screening. And if you're 50 or older, get screened. I don't have my mother anymore, so please, do everything that you can to stay around for yourself and for your family. Screening saves lives.
1: A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.